hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I am here today with one of my favourite human beings, a man who first took his steps into this podcast in an extremely nervous state and is now whoring himself out on any podcast that will have him to spectacular effect, Mr. Fraser Gregory. Now, don't you give me that look. Why are you looking at me like that? I'll just talk to anyone. No, but you do it so well. Come on. That's really kind of you to see. Your name's out there now. Oh, and actually, no, here's my chance. I might actually bring this out this week, so I'm just going to mention this now. Fraser is writing 60 Doctor Who story countdown, his favourite 60 stories in a fabulous blog. There's only been a few stories out so far and uh, typically smart, engaging and witty. Shut your face. It's, it's brilliant stuff. Fraser, what inspired you to do that? Um, well, I got the idea from a friend of the podcast, Jason Miller, who went to the LIHU convention and held a, a panel there on the 60 top Doctor Who stories for the 60th anniversary. So I thought, you know, he, he got all his guests to, to think of their top 60 and then, you know, 10 of those that each talked about for sort of 90 seconds at the panel. So I thought, you know, it would be really interesting to find out what my top 60 stories are. So I got the the Metabolist 2 podcast preference revealer um, and just went through that one afternoon um, and just made a really snap decision, you know, not not so much which is my favourite or which is the best, just, you know. You have to answer a lot, of, a lot of questions. You can't take your time with it. You'll be there all yeah. day. You just got to go, you know, it, it gives you a choice of two. So you're, you're kind of like picking between you know, like, like Frontius and Keys of Anderson, you've got to pick which is the, you know, which is your favourite or which is your best or whatever, which which do you prefer? So I just kind of did that um, and got me top 60. Then I thought, well, you know, there's no point in keeping a list like that to myself. I'm going to share it with everyone. So came up with the idea of just in the 60 days leading up to the 60th to give, to talk about one a day. And I've done a blog for that because Twitter's, you know, I'm a gobshite. You know, I like to talk, I like to write. So, um, a blog is a more um, uh, convenient way of, of doing that rather than having a, you know, a, a ten tweet thread. Um, it's more personal as well, I think. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just you, you know. Yeah, I'm obviously, you know, you're, I'm, I'm tweeting out the the entries on on a daily basis. You can find it at skiesfulofdiamonds.wordpress.com. Um, I just know there's going to be full of Stephen Moffat, so I know it is. And do you know what? I can't wait to read them because yeah, as you continue it. to re-educate me on this era, let the education continue. I'm not going to lie. There is there is more Moffat stories in there than there is from any other writer. Um, but there's a good spread. I've got, you know, every Doctor's covered. Um, pretty much every season is covered. Wow. Amazing. Um, bar... I... Two or Re- three, perhaps. Reading your few entries that you've done so far, I know you very well, so I know a lot of your opinions. But what I realised was, actually, we haven't scratched the surface on a lot of these stories, so I'm learning tonnes about what you think about So this is going to be a massive education for me, reading these through. Yeah. But they're just very well written as well, oh, and you you make your points in an engaging way. And trust me, I've read a lot of Doctor Who reviews, yeah? Some of yeah. them flaunt their PhDs at you at every turn. And and you get sentences that are so impenetrable, you know, 
it yeah. takes a type forty Tardis to get out of them. So yeah, I'm 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 trying to rein myself in and and not be too sort of Pip and Gene in my vocabulary. So oh please, <laughs> just, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a one Pip and Jane story in there. You know, there'll be a bit of trouble. Um. Yeah, stay tuned. Well, then my next question is: Does Black Orchid feature on that list? Sadly, it doesn't. It doesn't make quite make the top. Oh, um, shame. Where did it? The, where the did it come? 60. Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember. I've got a screenshot of it somewhere. Oh, put it out. Uh, when I put it out of the episode, then put it in the tweets. I will do. Can you guess what my number one was when I did that, that list? Oh, um, time in the Ronnie. It ranks, but it was nowhere near number one. Turn Left came out as Turn my left. number one. Yeah, wow. out of all of Doctor Who, it's the one yeah. story that barely features the Doctor. <laughs> that says a lot about me. Yes, well, we didn't know that what you will. We are here to talk about the second glorious episode of Black Orchid. Yep. We, we had fun hang time in the first episode. We did. We've got to get a bit of plot going on now. Yeah. Should we plot away? Let's plot away. Well, would you care to count us in? We'll do, yes. In five, four, three, two, one. Ah, I fainted. <laughs> Please leave me alone. Who are you? Sir Robert, arrest <laughs> that man. man. <laughs> I love all of this. You know, the bit I love is where... um. Oh, I've been looking for a moment in my life to be this melodramatic. What is it? Um, no, Charles. Yes, mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know what? I've come to the conclusion, you know, that I'm a massive fan of soap operas, and that's not just my rough get me into neighbours. It's um, you know, I've DS9. I've learned is a massive yeah. soap opera. So anything that's doing this sort of crazy melodrama, I'm there. Yeah. So quick reprise there. We're back on a we're massive set, and um, it's about to. Um, fiend. Do you imagine it's behind that curtain at the back of the set there? Do you think it's like the scene people having a tea break? Oh, that's, that's probably where they keep the, the other members of the family that they're disgraced. Ah, oh, fair enough. Yeah. Speaking of my family, I can understand it, if I'm honest. <laughs> a couple of them locked up in the bedroom. Oh, here comes the poor butler again. Yeah. The music here, you know, where, as is the hands go towards her, the piano goes... It's really great. Oh. <laughs> I think I might be a few seconds behind you here, but don't worry. That's fine. You're often a few steps ahead of me. <laughs> oh, stop it with the flattery. So the doctor's found a dead body. There's a dead body at the bottom of the stairs. It is very Agatha Christie, isn't it? Oh, I mean, it is an Agatha Christie, isn't it? Yeah. yeah Did it's... you know that J&T was tipped to direct this? And couldn't no. do it at the last minute. So this is the one of the season, and he was going to do it, and just I think he had far too many conventions to jet off to, oh. so he couldn't find the time to do it. But actually, this is totally suited to what costumes, you know, balls and a bit of campery, fancy affairs. Yeah, yeah. This, it would have been great. I would have loved to have seen it because this is Ron Jones's first, yes, and I think one of his best. Now, Ron Jones is usually a. Is Ron Jones the director we think gets worse as the time goes on, or does he get better? I think he 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 improves towards the end. So he does this. He does yeah. Time Flight, Arc yeah. of Infinity, yeah, Frontiers, yeah, Vengeance and Varos, and Mind Warp. Yeah, 
So I think those last four actually yeah. have some solid direction in them. But it's those yeah. two after this. It's it's Ark of Infinity and Infinity. Time Flight. I mean, he's he's dealt the bum hand with with Time Flight because he's he's kind of given um, not enough budget. He's given he's got a force perspective sets, so he has to have the camera locked in a certain position because obviously if you start moving around, you shoot from different angles, you don't get yeah. that sense that this ziggurat is you know miles away over the hill which you don't get anyway so what was the point um you clearly tell that you're in a studio set um so he's still a little bit of a rough hand there's it's the old adage you can't polish a turd but arc of infinity i've been to amsterdam it's my second favorite yeah. place in the entire world it's the city of vice and it's stylish and gorgeous and he makes it seem like the dreariest fucking location <laughs> doctor who has ever visited i don't know how he managed to do that it's well, it's like he's um he's took a uh, a hint from City of Death and just thought you know the way you get the best out of your location is just have your extras run around it while you film them. Yeah. <laughs> Trouble is Paris is gorgeous. I'm not sure yeah. you, can, you can make Paris look unattractive. It's got lots of things you can shoot to me say this is Paris. Look, Eiffel Tower, um, Arc de Triomphe, Notre Dame. You can say these are, you know, there's nothing really like that in, in Amsterdam. It's a canal. Whereas it's not a backhanded compliment to say, I don't think you needed a particularly proficient director for this story. You don't. You don't. It's there's there's nothing technically demanding, is it? It's you can point and shoot in this because yeah. it's essentially about the acting rather than yeah. you know how it's filmed. Yeah, it's about the the it's the characters, not you know. There's no sci-fi. There's no there's no monster. We barely even have a villain in this. If... But if we did have a villain, I would say it's this wife here. Oh, what, Barbara Murray? Lady Cranley. Yeah, she's evil, yeah, isn't the she? Villain, villain of the piece, not poor George there. Cowering she, in the corner. He's the one that's kept him up there, locked yep. away, like the mad man in the attic. Yep. Oh, I love this. Oh, she wakes up. <laughs> oh, the Robert. Simply throbbing. <laughs> There was a man in fancy dress. Oh, I love it. I love that Barbara Murray's costume, you know, with the yeah. way she reminds me of that woman from Walking on Broken Glass. Have you seen the video of that? Annie Lennox. Yeah, she wears yeah. the same sort of wig in that, but it's black. But she looks very similar. Yeah, it's very um three musketeers, isn't it? Um like Milady de Winter. Fabulous. Actually, do you know what? His um his scar makeup it is quite effective, isn't it? It is. It is. And that's um you know, it's is that an issue then? The representation of disability as evil in this story. I think the objection is that the disabled person is just there's no smarts there, he's just a murderous a monster, basically, yep. he's portrayed as a monster. Discuss. It's a valid point. It is. I think. It is. You know, we see this um, in other stories as well. We see this with Time Lash. Borad. Oh, it's worse in Time Lash, though. Um, but we also see it. Nobody in... wants you. Nobody yeah. cares for you. You know, that's yeah. terrible. Um, and we see it in Caves of Androzani. Oh, shit. And we yeah. see it in. Um, yeah um, yeah but i think he's portrayed quite sympathetically 
there's there is a little bit of sympathy, but it is very one note. It is is like you say, he's the bad guy because, or clearly is because he's, um, he's got the facial disfigurement. He can't talk properly, so he's got the speech impediment. He's got no tongue, bless him. You know, there's there's very little sympathy. You know, you get towards him because he's basically just sneaking around murdering people, um, just to get, um, Anne. You know, so there's there's a I lack mean, of. I you can understand why he feels a bit hard done by and why he's quite angry. Exactly, and that's what makes Lady Cranley really the villain of the piece because rather than actually, you know, accepting our son in the state that he's come back from the Americas, um, you know, she's locking him away out of sight, um, you know, and then essentially, um, you know, farming out. And to the next in line, you know, it's it's very medieval, you know, and it's. I think. I wonder if there's a bit of money in there somewhere, you know, that Anne's family are quite wealthy. The Worcestershire Talbots are. Mm. You know. Have you an Uncle Patty? (laughs) But it's you know it's 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 it is it is a difficult. It's. I think the um the class representation as well is a is a downside to this as well because you know we are with the toffs you know, and the tops are doing top things and we're kind of happy to let them get away with doing what they've done at the end. You know, poor George plummets to his death at the end. Spoilers. Hello. And then the doctor just goes, thank you, I'll treasure that book. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Imagine David this... Tennant, he, he would have had one of his teethy rants, wouldn't he? Yeah. You need, you, what you need is, is is Sir Robert to be carting off Lady Cranley in the paddy wagon at the end and yeah. saying, right, yeah, come with me then. He's off the hook, but you've got some questions to ask down the answer down the station, I'm afraid. Um, and you know, being being a proper copper. I'm wondering if this could have stretched to three, actually. At a push. Because no, no, you could have dealt with some of that. I would have liked a dialogue scene between George and his brother. I yeah. would have liked a sequence where during the ball, um, George is revealed, the brother's revealed. So he literally exposes what they're doing in front of all of their friends and all of that, you know, some yeah. of that sort of stuff to go on. But, you I know, mean, we're squeezing this all into two. It's got to move fast. It, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily move fast. So that's the thing, you know, all the plot happens in the in the second part, you know, so there is room. This in episode first part. does move fast, though, I think. We're, yeah. we're suddenly from location we're, to a point where we've got to move so fast, we pour everybody into the TARDIS, which is my biggest <laughs> objection to this because it's not. It, that's just not needed at all. They could have just said, right, they've come from the car to there, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, I think you, you've probably got the room in the first part to, you know, move some stuff on the second into the first and then, but obviously what's what's the, the consequence of that is you, you lose what we've discussed in that first part of the hang time. Yeah. You know, so you get less. I think less that's the better part of the yourself. story as well. Yeah. So I would want to lose it. Yeah, you, yeah. The next thing you know, you'd actually know we're not going to have the cricket scene, or the cricket scene is going to be cut down, and the buffet is going to be cut down. Adric's just going to, you know, be sitting in a food coma in the corner without any other explanation or anything. So, but I do think, you know, potentially there is there is a bit of a bit of fat to be trimmed there in in the sort of like dancing scenes and whatnot. You think actually, yeah, we've, we've danced, to, we've got the point, we've got the point now. So yeah, a couple of minutes yet, and you could probably put. Um, that's you know your idea there of having the scene between Lord Cranley and and the the brother George yeah yeah would would be would actually be really effective if you drop that into the first half then you know the guy that's creeping around killing people is 
there's some sort of connection. There's, it would add an extra layer of who done it. It would have been interesting if there was some rivalry between the two of them. <laughs> so the fact that he's taken his fiance is why he's lashing yeah. out as he yeah, is. Yeah. But yeah. we're just not thinking on that level, are we? In fact, when when he gets a chance to talk to George, he goes to give him a hug. Yeah. So it seems like everything is very aimable. So you're like, well, why is he going around killing people? <laughs> like, yeah, well, what's that all about? Yeah, and again, that just goes back to well, it's because he's clearly the monster, you know, because he's clearly he's deranged and, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just it's. It's unsavory. It is. It is. It's it's not ideal. And it is the case in Classic Who at times. Yep. And we have yep. to swallow it down whether we like it or not. <laughs> I mean, I don't I'd like to think we wouldn't make a story like this now. I would like oh, to think definitely not, no. Um that the that we we can see yeah, this is it this is a product about of the time, but with all products of the time, I think you know, that doesn't excuse it. It just means we accept it. We recognize that, you know, things are different now and, you know, it it's an uncomfortable. It's part of what happened. Um, we either accept that and, you know, move on and enjoy the rest of the story or we we say, no, nope, this story isn't for me and whichever side of that you fall on is is perfectly, perfectly valid. I, think. I do wonder if it's near to the knuckle we got in the new series with Voyager the Dam with that fella in the wheelchair that was just a head. I know he's a robot, but yeah. he's clearly like somebody that's very disabled. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think in terms of sort of disability representation, I think the, the very worst scene we ever get in the whole of Doctor Who is in um, The Witch is Familiar. When, oh, yeah. Awful. What when was he Peter, thinking? When the doctor literally throws a man out of his wheelchair so he can go and yeah. drive it around. Right around in it. Yeah. You know, I mean, where. I know we're going to be covering that at some point. Um, we are Simon. We are, um, and we'll discuss that more when we do it. But that's that for me is is an absolutely terrible scene. I think that ranks as one of the worst. Yeah, ever. It's up there with Capaldi telling that kid not to take the medication. Oh. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, can I just talk about Davison's Fifth Doctor for a second? Because I just think he's the perfect fear for this murder mystery being pointed yeah. in his direction. Because Tom Baker wouldn't have it. He'd just nope. dominate the scene and he'd be yep. like, no, how are we We would be hobnobbing it with the gentry and that yep. wouldn't work. Maybe Patrick Troughton, maybe. He'd be buffooning about a bit though. But he's so inoffensive, Peter yes. Davison. And he does his token objections and then he just sits down and goes, oh, for God's sakes, mm -hmm. you're not listening to me. Why am I bothering? Yeah, he's, um, you're absolutely right. I mean, Colin Baker as well, you know, oh, would be. He'd have punched would, a lot of them out. You know, McCoy would be exactly the same. Perry, um, leg it, quick. <laughs> me? Me? The murderer? Outrageous. Preposterous. Preposterous. I do think the Doctor's alibi being the fact that he's got an interdimensional time <laughs> and space machine is a bit uh, lacking in logic. Yes. Well, of course you couldn't have murdered somebody. You have a mode of transport. transport. <laughs> you have a mode of transport that gets you from one crime scene to another. Well, anyone noticing? But, you know, I like the vintage cars. Yeah. The costumes just... out on location. This is a bit of padding, isn't it? Because the Atardis isn't there. I mean, if that's what you need to do, then just have the... If you need to get them into the Atardis, then just get them into the Atardis and... You know, so this is the point where you think, well, actually, we are spinning a few wheels yeah. now. And well, so know, who's yeah. taking the TARDIS? What? Why would they do that? I think at this point, you might think this is a four part. Well, it's 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 the police, isn't it? The police have walked up the train station, and went, oh, that's that's ours. 
Well, who left that there? <laughs> and took it off. Oh, uh, mind you, though, I say I don't like the bit where he piles them all in, and he does it a lot in his era, but I love the reaction of the fellow who walks in and goes, oh, strike me pink, <laughs> when he walks in the TARDIS. <laughs> I think he just probably went home for his tea that day and went, yep. oh, I've had a very odd day. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the guy from Planet of the Spiders, yeah, I'm going home, I don't feel well. <laughs> Is the dinner ready? <laughs> Oh, it was on a northbound platform of the railway station. Yeah, George sneaking out to clubber. Like, I mean, I'm not sure this two-part needs any other excuse to exist, but just, everyone looks gorgeous, and the location it, work yeah. is gorgeous. I mean, that's it, and it's it is wrapped around a, a very sort of thin thin plot. But like you said, that that this plot could have been a lot. You know, a lot more to it, couldn't it? It could be a lot more. I think the characterization could have been more complex. Yeah, but I, plot... it doesn't outstay its welcome, though. That's what I like about it. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I but think... you said about the visitation. Yeah. If that had been two episodes, <laughs> it would have skipped along. It would have done. Or let's like, say if they'd just moved the, you know, the plot along. You know, moved location a little bit more. So, you know, we're just again, we're just we're kind of showing off here now. We're not. We're not actually doing anything. With white, we are just kind of like, you know, doing a bit of location footage and, and getting some extra characters into the TARDIS. Um, oh, this line reading of Janet Fielding's is terrible. You are in for a surprise. Oh, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, no, but this is where we get our jeopardy now. Uh, George knocks out his keeper and then yep. decides instead of trying to bash down the door, he's just going to burn it. I had some pretty good effects there, though, I think. It looks yeah. like that set is properly on fire. And he's, he's, you know, I, I like the way they've dressed him. I like that he's got that sort of, like, you know, cricket, crickety, not cricket golfer type, like, jumper on, so it's like... Well, you've got the parallels of Davison there, haven't you? Yeah. He's got his brogues, he's got his nice trousers on. It's just, obviously, he's a... Uh... He's a monster, obviously, so they've kept him hidden in the attic. It's George, I don't think that is a safe way of it's... exiting that room. No. No, burn the door. No. Well, I think the idea is he's just lost his mind, isn't he? Yeah. Or will he can think of is Anne. Yeah, but I mean that needs that needs a little bit of fleshing out, really. And in this sense, we owe you an apology, Doctor. What do you mean? And then he goes, Yeah, well, there's still a murder to explain. Good. I'm glad someone said well, exactly. that. Yeah. Destroy me pink. <laughs> oh no, afraid to look at his name. Did you see it? What's that? His name's Cummings. Oh, ah! behave. <laughs> behave. <laughs> Thank you, Cummings. Stop it. Oh, look, and his name is Markham. I've oh. had a bit of Markham in my <laughs> life. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll stop now. I'll stop. All right. And they've just explained. <laughs> situation down there yeah so that your fiance the one that we said is dead <laughs> isn't dead he's in the attic um but would still like you to marry his brother please do you remember i said <laughs> this doesn't take particularly sophisticated direction all he's got to do is do a long shot there of that house with the tardis landing and we're all like that's gorgeous you know yeah, I mean... fraser when you come on and do stephen moffat commentaries with me uh-huh that line that Anne had just then is something i've said to you many times how could you? Oh, how could, <laughs> how could you? you? 
Oh, Moffat! <laughs> Sigh! Arrest that man! <laughs> it's got a little mental image of you running. Oh, Russell! Russell! <laughs> yeah, arrest that Moffat. <laughs> Oh, this all looks fabulous. Yeah. Do you know what? I do love it when they build a big staircase in the studio, a bit like Ghost Light. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's, it's levels. You know, it's, 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 you know, three dimensions people getting to run up things. You lose this. If in... they just shot this on film cameras, I think I would have been perfectly convinced they were, else. They were in a location. Yeah, absolutely. It's but only because then... we know, we know when it's video cameras and that means they're yeah. in the studio. Yeah, but it's, it... It's, it's believable because it's again it's it's what the BBC does really well at the time. So they've probably got all of these you know decorations and props and flats and whatnot you know for other from other shows and for other shows and whatnot. And they just you know makes it easier for them to kind of cobble it together. Oh, this is pure soap. He won't hurt her. He loves Anne. Yeah. <laughs> well, why is he took out of the roof of a burning building then? Oh, he 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 just wants to get her away from everybody else. You know. I don't think this is anywhere near as offensive as Time Lash. With the doctor condemning a disabled man and then yeah. plummeting him to his death. Plus, George gets a moment of redemption. He gives Anne to the doctor. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, the story then does decide to kill him off, which is uh, the, the Eric's award yeah. go-to way of ending a yes. story. Oh, Adric was going to do something then. He was, but you know. No, Adric, you're no, not allowed Adric. to do anything in this story. No, we don't want you to die in this one. Yeah. Save it for next week. <laughs> I have done something terribly wrong, Fraser. Psy is not to blame. Took out his tongue, his mind was affected. Are we being racist as well then? But like the, the Kajabi Indians did this to him. Um, I mean, it's a trope, isn't it? It's, you know, it's, it's kind of Indiana Jones at the start of, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark with the savages. You have so, to remember, yeah, this is scripted by Terence Dudley, who did give us possibly the most offensive dialogue exchange in Fort of Doomsday. I am Lin Futu. Well, of course, you look in the best of health to me, you know. Like, I don't think Dudley... I don't think he's racist. I just think he's thoughtless. Yeah. You know what? This, this is the thing. I think, you know, no one's ever went out to be racist in Doctor Who. No one's, you know... You know, there's there's elements um, over the years because it is a 60-year programme and, you know, attitudes to race, gender, disability, um, sexuality have all changed in those 60 years. So no one's ever went out to make something deliberately offensive. What they have done is made something that is offensive just because that's the way things were done at the time or because they couldn't do it any better yeah um so i think that's what we're getting here we're not getting somewhere you know terry studies not went out and went you know fucking indians i'll show you i'll make you a story and yeah i just think it's a shame to dismiss a charming period piece because one element of it is a little bit distasteful. Because there's a lot more to this, and yeah. there's a lot of hard work that's going into the rest of exactly. this. Exactly, exactly. But I think it it depends how it lands. Do you know? So if you find that offensive, you think if you, for example, watch Creature from the Pit, and you think, um, you know, the 
the metal bandits are very anti-Semitic. You know, if that if that lands for you and that takes you out of that story, then that's that's Bang. fair enough. If you trouble is, is I'm the person that can totally rip myself. So I think probably the most terrible gay stereotype is Mr. Humphreys from Are You Being Served, and yeah. I think he's hilarious. So well, I've got I've got quite a lot of yeah. attitude for this sort of thing. Yeah, and again, if 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 that lands well for you, then that's fine. I mean, I mean, um, it's it's horribly offensive at times. Yes, we're we're coming up to Christmas shortly. Um, we're going to be having the whole um, you know, fairy tale of New York saga about whether that you word should that song should have the word faggot in it. Now I know some some gay people who are absolutely fine with that lyric being in there. You're looking at who what? aren't. You know, it it all depends on how it lands for you. What I would say is, though, if you know, if it if it lands for you where you can't enjoy it, then that's a valid opinion. If it lands for you where you can say, actually, that's troublesome, but it was a product of its time, I'm going to look past it. Then fair enough. I mean, something for me, I'm kind of in somewhere in the middle. You know, I will look at something and go, well, you know, I appreciate what else is happening in this episode, but that one particular thing, you know, means it comes down a little bit. So. Um, I'll, the example I'll give is the Romans. You know, everyone loves the Romans. The Romans is a fantastically. Um, well, you're going to talk about episode three, of... aren't you? And Barbara being yeah, chased around. Exactly. You know, um, you know, I'm if... fine with that because it's played yeah. for comedy, and he's clearly a buffoon. Yeah. Um, you know, when I watched that, you know, I enjoyed so much of it. You know, and it's it's Dennis Spooner. I love Dennis Spooner. Um, I think we the show owes more Dennis Spooner than probably anyone else that does in its sixty year history. Um, but you get to that point, and I watched that um, a couple of days after the um, the vigil for Sarah Everard. Yeah, uh, you know, after she'd been murdered by the the police officer in London. So you know that scene where you've got the man, you're know, chasing Barbara because he basically wants to sexually assault her, landed very hard for me, um, and that you know it did take me out. So I'm not going to sit and say the Romans is a terrible episode because. It has that scene in it, but at the same time, I can't say you know the Romans is not going to make my list of sixty greatest top top Doctor Who stories because there is an element in it that that brings it down. So it brings it down to about an eight out of ten for me, rather than a ten out of ten. So... But that's that is fair. What I object to is people saying that their aptitude for watching this stuff, their ability to watch it or not, should mean whether that product is available to everybody else. I don't yeah. like that. So when that whole thing about the Unicorn and the Wasp came up on Twitter, yeah. and like everyone was going, how dare you celebrate this story? This this cannot be done as a celebration of Doctor Who because he's a terrible transphobe and all of this. And they were speaking for everybody else. And if mm. anybody else said, no, I quite like that, then they came down hard on them. And I'm like, no, no, no. just because you can't handle it, yeah. That don't mean the rest of yeah. us can't. And just because you don't want to watch it, that doesn't yeah. mean the rest of us shouldn't. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. this got very serious, didn't it? It has, hasn't it? For, for quite the late episode. Sometimes it does, though. Well, no, yeah. because I think there are some problematic things there worth discussing. There is. There is. And Doctor Who is, is littered with them, you know. And like, I think if we don't acknowledge that, if we pretend there's nothing problematic, and or if we dismiss the people who think that they are problematic, out of hand, then we're kind of just as bad as the people who, you know, might, you know, as what you said, you know, you the the ones who want to, you know, cancel particular ones. You know, I would never say no one should watch the Romans because it's horrendously misogynistic and you know and, and terrible. What you need to do is you need to look at it and go, that's problematic. You know, 
we don't make television that way anymore, thankfully, because of that, and, and kind of move on. So, you know, do you know what mine was? Yours was the Romans. Mine was Dark Water. Mm, yeah. Was the don't cremate me line. Yeah, I exactly. always thought I had I was fine and I could handle anything. Doctor could throw me and I could say, Yeah, that's that's problematic. Yeah, and yeah, it shouldn't exactly. be in there, but I like the rest of the story. I can let it pass. I lost my mum. I cremated yeah. my mum. And the suggestion that my mum was screaming, Don't cremate me, I was just like, that's so distasteful yep. to anyone who's yeah, lost yeah. anybody. And so that was my point where I was like, Oh, actually, I, even I've got my limit, you know, like <laughs> But no, it's absolutely. so personal to the person. It is. That, it's the way it lands for you, isn't it? It's... That don't mean I don't think other people should be able to watch and enjoy Dark yeah, Water. Exactly. And I certainly don't think people shouldn't be allowed to enjoy Black Orchid, which is yeah. essentially an inoffensive and charming period piece of Doctor Who. Yeah. I mean, if anything, we should look at Black Orchid and go, you know, you know, that's a terrible um, character. That's a terrible treatment of that character. It's all down to the toffs. So if anything, we should overthrow the aristocracy i mean we've technically noted it's a little bit racist it's certainly ableist and it's a little bit classist as well. yeah, very, <laughs> yeah. very classist that's, you know that's that's what we should be coming at is saying yeah. shame on you terrence dudley shame on you lady cranny you are a villain because you're upper class so let's hang them all on that note shall we find <laughs> three things that we admired about this story <laughs> to recommend it well yes go on then do you want to go first or should i Oh, I'd love to go first. And cool, I man. am going to say, I just adore it when Doctor Who goes out in the British countryside. And so all these scenes outside the country manors and on the cricket pitch and all of this, there's just something about it that pops on the screen and yeah. restored on Blu-ray. It looks, yeah. it's like a window into the past. I feel as if I could reach in and touch that cricket bat. Um it looks the location work in season nineteen in general looks absolutely beautiful. Castrovalva, visitation, yep. black orchid. Um JNT found a way of putting money on the screen in quite a cheap way. Yes. It looks gorgeous. So there yep. we go. Black Orchid looks gorgeous. I'm going to pick Hang Tame. Thanks, Nathan. Um because you're going to you know, use that's... that now, aren't you? Yeah, I am going to use that now, yes. Um Shore Leave, Hang Tame, whatever it is they're doing, they just it's it's what makes the story. It's like, yeah, every Doctor Who story doesn't have to be life and death. It doesn't have to be end of the universe. It doesn't always even have to be, you know, a wrong needs writing. You know, it can just be, you know, the Doctor and the Companion. We never see stories that like that where they just go and have fun somewhere. It's, uh, you know, you know, it's, it's what they're trying to do in, in Turn Left, you know, the Donna and... Oh, and I love that bit at the beginning yeah. where they're laughing and drinking and... Yeah, trying to have a bit of hang time and something gets in the way. So the fact that we get a very extended hang time, which is basically the first episode, you know, the Doctor gets to play cricket, you know, Tegan gets a couple of cocktails in, so and goes dancing. <laughs> um, Nissa, you know, gets a new friend and starts and gets to have a dance. And, and good old Adric. Adric does what I do would do and goes loads his plate at the buffet more than once. He can guess a couple of what in her? Cocktails. All oh, right. I thought that's what you oh, said. Oh, stop it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, you're not. That's no, I'm not at all. It's your reaction <laughs> that makes it. Um, oh, is it my turn? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, I am fairly derogatory about some of Peter Davison's performances throughout his run. I do think he sabotages a fair amount of season 20, it, uh, personally. We talked about this in Modern Undead, didn't we? Yep. I know you don't agree. But I think he sort of is hitting his stride at this point. And they're 
they've kind of inserted him into a story where he gets to do what he does best. And that is like pushing up against the university yeah. authority figures, the yeah. gentry, whoever, and just being frustrated. He does it so well and to such great comic effect. Um, I think he's terrific in this. He doesn't rate his own performance in this, so I'm here to tell him he's wrong. Yeah. Choice. Um, I will, in a similar vein, pick Sarah Sutton. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. Um, like we've said, Nissa doesn't always get much to do, so Sarah Sutton doesn't always get a chance to um, to shine. But, you know, much like Janet Fielding's Hard Kinder, where she gets to play play around and not just be Tegan, be the, the mother. So giving Nissa the chance to be Anne as well, you know, really gives Sarah Sutton an opportunity to show what she can do when given given something different to do, given some good material. And, you know, she takes it with both hands and um, does a flappy dance with it. People say she doesn't get anything to do, but she actually does a lot in The Visitation. And she does a fair amount in Time Flight as well. I just think it's the biggies of the season. She don't get anything to do. Kinder, she don't get lots yeah. to do in Earthshock. Actually, she does loads in Castrovalva as well. She does, she does a good show in Castrovalva. I mean, Time Flight, she's, she's knocked out for a little bit. Um, and then she's kind of possessed. And she develops sort of like Susan-esque psychic powers, never before <laughs> mentioned and never since mentioned again. <laughs> Can I say a line I've been longing to say to you for a long time? Go on then. We're heading straight into the biggest explosion in history. <laughs> it's your turn. <laughs> well, I don't know the next line. Oh, I don't think there is one. They just sort of w- wash about the console like that. And then the master goes, farewell, my yeah. friends. <laughs> farewell forever. <laughs> Marvellous stuff. Oh, then. It's, your, it's my turn, or yours? I, oh, did you say Sarah Sutton? Oh, I said no, Sarah it's Sutton, yes. My turn. Wowzers. Okay. I am. Oh, the, the prestige guest cast in this. Oh, yeah. Barbara Murray. I don't know who the pilot fellow who plays Sir Robert is. Um, I think he's in another Doctor Who story, isn't he? Is he? Look him up quickly while I keep talking. Uh, Barbara Murray and certainly Michael Cochran. Can you tell me the other story that Michael Cochran appears in? Is that a no? Ghostlight. There you go. Redford's Fen Cooper. Yeah, oh, he's marvellous in that. Ghostlight. And who was the other one? Sir Robert? Uh, Sir Robert, yeah. Where else is he in? I swear he's in another Doctor Who story. Oh, Toby Haydock hates it when people do this research on Mike. Sorry, Toby. Uh, no, I think he was just in Black Orchid. I'll take this moment to say you are a gentleman of esteem, of excellent taste, and you have the far superior commentary podcast whilst we're researching. Um, he was in the Darling Buds of May, Rumpel of the Berry. Um... Of which Fraser appeared on Celebrating Megalos. Go seek out those episodes. Okay, well, so you get my point, though. It's I don't think it's a great challenge for any of these actors to come in and play the gentry no. No. And, and say these, you know, very yeah. obvious lines. But they do it with, I'm going to use upper class words, gumption and spunk. Oh, I know if spunk's upper class. They do it with gumption. Back to you. Um, I'm going to pick costume design, this one, because obviously we do... 
Um, we'll have an opportunity to get people out of their uniforms. Um, so everyone gets to get out the clothes and get them washed um, for once. And, you know, the the outfits that they're given are, are really, really quite good. So you've got the sort of Harlequin, which suits Davison really yeah. well. You know, something about him that just suits the Harlequin, you, you know, without the mask on. Um, Janet Fielding in that sort of Tinkerbell dress, you know, with the, um, the green the greens and what and browns and whatnot really is really um good. You know, Adric gets a bit of a new romantic look. So he gets his pirate outfit and um and this obviously gets the butterfly dress, the flapper butterfly flapper dress to, to dance around in, you know. It's it's just, you know, it, it goes back to what you were saying in your first one, that how how good everything looks. The the costume yeah. design is a is a really, really good part of it. But again, it's it's not surprising because this is what the BBC does really well. I've just watched through all of season 20 and it is a bit beige on the whole. Yeah. It is a bit dreary looking. I've just been watching the visuals whilst talking to you about this and the, the images sort of come at me, you know, it's eye catching. Yeah. And I think that's what this wants to be is eye catching. Yep. Is that three each? I don't know. Do you have another one? Uh, well, I could think of another one if I go need on, to. Yeah, go on. Man. Okay, well, my other one is going to be oh, well, I've said the word at the beginning of the story the melodrama of it all. <laughs> I mean, Doctor Who and soap go together hand yeah. in hand these days, but it wasn't the case in 1981. One, yeah, when this came out, it's 182. Actually, you know, what am I talking about? It was a soap, wasn't it, in 81? Every single story I'd yeah. seen in the TARDIS playing out like an episode of EastEnders. <laughs> you know, I shall find someone who will take me. It's, it is literally EastEnders at one point, the swapping brothers over. This isn't a taxi service. It goes back and forth, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and Tegan's screaming her head off all the time. No, but I do, I, I have developed a taste for this sort of thing in my later years. And I think there's a portion of the audience that would say Doctor Who as a soap opera is a betrayal of you know the serious science fiction that it professes to be i'm not sure it ever did because it was a bit of a soap opera in season one and two and three as well well it is i mean it's 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 gnt's doing he does it in 18 does it 19 the, the stories kind of link together you know there's, there's a mention at the start of the story of the previous stories so there's like sort of the mention of um oh some it's it's very labored sometimes though isn't yeah. it there's the sort of mention of, of London and Burner London down at the start of this one, isn't there? Can you it's think of any of the dialogue? From, from this story? No, from any of them, where where it's the you know a reminder yeah. of what's just happened. Go on, then. Um, yeah, well, not exact, not not accurately, but like I say, in this one, it's it refers to the, um, you know, Burner London down. Um, obviously, time flights are all about Adric, and they've dropped the crew of the... Of... The worst one is the Eric Sayward one. Um, what was it? Daleks. Sometimes I feel as if I'll be chased by those mutated misfits for the rest of time, which comes straight <laughs> after Resurrection of the Daleks. <laughs> oh, Christ almighty. Do you know what? Tell me if I'm completely off kilter when I say this. I think season 19 and series 11 are the two seasons that are the closest to season one. Yeah. That are doing the reboot with three companions, simpler stories, yep, and sort of a very optimistic leap into the universe. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, really no. like all three of those seasons. Yeah, definitely. 
Definitely. I mean, obviously, the, the difference with, with 19 is there is recurring elements coming back. So we'll get the Cybermen back, we'll get the Master back twice. Other than that, it's, it is brand new, new stories and new ways of new storytelling. Well, Fraser, we have uh, dipped our toes into, but not quite left Metabilia's free. Yep. We have taken a trip to Ranscore of Kolos. We have. And now we've taken a little twirl around Cranley Manor. Yep. Well, where are we going next? Where um, are you well, and I going next? I've got this invite um, from this Sir Gilles Estram um, oh. to, to pop round and look at his castle. I do like a castle. I like a nice castle. So I thought we'll probably pop round and visit him, see what he's up to. Will there be any jousting on while we're there? Hopefully, you know, hopefully a bit of a bit of a joust. You know, if there's some music on, that'll be, if he's got a turn on. I had a lovely spread at Cat Cranley Manor. Will there be a spread at the castle? I'd, I'd like to think so. I mean, this this Giles fella, he sounds a bit, oh, I don't know too much about him, but he seems a decent enough sort. I'm sure he'll put a spread on for her. I hear he's got a very impressive beard. <laughs> we all love a beer, don't we? Well, fabulous. Well, let's let's skip over to uh is it Leeds Castle? No, that's the Andrew Zatara. Bodium Castle. Bodium Castle, yes. Let's head down there and see what's on. To see what machinations are occurring there. Thank you very much. As ever, talking about Doctor Who is the most effortless thing with you. It is. Thank you very much for having me on to talk about it again. And thanks for telling me off at least four times. Just in the last four minutes. 